This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday. Happy New Year to you. Coming up, we've got some bowl games here on ESPN Des Moines. We have Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. You can hear it right here, taking on Memphis. We're going to talk about that one coming up here in just a second. And then coming up tonight, the Cotton Bowl, we'll have Ohio State and Missouri. I don't think I realized that Missouri was number nine in the nation. I don't think I realized that. You know, it's Mizzou. Like, you don't expect a lot. I know, you know, they're they're in the SEC now, so I guess we kind of forget about them. But they had a very good year. They'll take on Ohio State. And again, Ohio State only had one loss. One loss. You can argue, you can make an argument that in the college football playoff, which we're going to talk a lot about later on, you can make the argument that Ohio State should be in the college football Final Four in the playoff. But that one loss came to Michigan the last game of the year. That was it. No conference championship game. No other way to impress the uh, the committee. They'd be in it if this were next year. The 12-team playoff, definitely. They would be in. Uh, but no, just one loss for Ohio State. And they are out. But they get the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World tonight. We'll have it for you right after the Liberty Bowl. Again, Iowa State right here on ESPN Des Moines. Speaking of Ohio, uh, Iowa State... I uh, wanted to get to some of Matt Campbell's comments from yesterday, speaking to the media in Memphis. And the conversation with the media began with quarterback Rocco Becht. Now, imagine being Rocco Becht. You weren't going to get playing time because Hunter Deckers was the guy, right? Like, that was going to be the guy until the gambling scandal broke. So, Becht comes in, starts game one of the season against the, uh, the Northern Iowa Panthers. Decent game, 113 passing yards, two touchdowns, inferior opponent, obviously. Uh, But, you know, like you watch him, you're like, okay, maybe there's something there. Finished the year, 2,674 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, eight interceptions, threw three in the snow. Now, granted, those in the snow against the Kansas State game were like, boom, whoop, a lot of yak in those. But still, had a good year, up and down year, and that's what you expect because when you're a freshman coming in, and you're getting the start out of the gate, you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows. Just ask Matt Campbell. If I'm proudest of one thing, it's his ability to handle that. Um, You know, playing quarterback is never, (laughs) it doesn't always go like this, and it it never will. It's, It's always a roller coaster of good days and bad days. And the great ones that we've had the ability to coach and I've had the fortune to be around, um, they've got this unique ability to be the same guy every day. And they've got a, a humbleness about them that they, they know that their best is yet to come. Um, but yet they also have the courage and commitment to you know, give, you know, give credit to others when they deserve the right to have the credit. Now, I'm not going to lie. I thought Iowa State was looking at a two or three win season because they weren't getting, they weren't good. 
<laughs> Frankly, they weren't good. Yeah, they beat Northern, but they lost to Iowa. They only scored seven points in that horrendous road loss at Ohio. You're like, well, how how is this team going to man- manufacture any points and get things rolling? But the maturity of this quarterback, the maturity of Beck, that is what led to this team. They went on and beat Oklahoma State, but in the back half of the year, picked up some big wins like at Baylor, at Cincinnati. They beat BYU on the road, and of course, the game in Manhattan against Kansas State. You know, I, I think we're really fortunate to see Rucko's just maturity. Who he is makes him even greater than what he's done on the football field. I think how he's led since May in our football program, in our locker room. Um, you know, when we were one and two and things didn't look great for us early in the season, I think his confidence and commitment to process and team, I think that was rallying points for our football program. And, um, you know, to me, great quarterback play is far greater than anything to do with arm talent. It has everything to do with maturity, character, um, and the ability to, to, to be a great leader. And Rocco certainly shown great wisdom beyond his years for, uh, for a young quarterback so far. It's been a really interesting year for, for Iowa State. The struggles early, like I talked about, that loss against Ohio. I don't want to say that was a bottoming out kind of game, but you didn't feel good if you were a Cyclone fan watching Iowa State lose to a MAC squad on the road. Didn't matter where that game was played. They shouldn't lose to a MAC team. They have more talent than every team in the Mid-American Conference. You're a Big 12 team. You're a Power 5 school. You should have more talent, and you should win that one. But they turned the entire season around and, you know, they haven't played a football game in about three and a half weeks, but I know that Matt Campbell has been nothing but focused ever since the game against K-State ended. It's been a journey, I think, 27 days since this bowl game got announced and, and excited to get into, you know, the opportunity to put the last 24 hours uh, kind of together and get ready to go play a great football game. So we look forward to the challenge and certainly get a lot of respect for the opponent we get to play. I got into a big debate with some people yesterday on Facebook, it's where all the best debates happen, right? Everyone's so logical. Talking about TJ Tampa, defensive back's going to skip out of this game today, prepare for the NFL draft, which I understand. He's a second-round pick by most mocks. He could become a first-round pick if he has a good combine, good workout. And the debate is, do these bowl games even matter? Does it, Unless you're playing in the college football playoff, which we're going to have both games coming up on Monday, we'll have the Iowa Bowl game and the Citrus Bowl, followed by Michigan and Alabama, then Texas-Washington right here on New Year's Day on ESPN Des Moines. So it's weird when you're playing in a game like the Liberty Bowl and you see guys opt out, transfer, they don't want to play, they're getting ready to you know, go to the National Football League. When I was growing up, these things really mattered, and I think that kind of bothers people, including Matt Campbell, that there's a mindset that unless you're playing for the national championship, your bowl game doesn't matter. Yes, there's an era of change where we land here over the course of the next couple of years will be fascinating, but... I mean, you take even in a, a, a tremendous venue and the history of this great bowl game and the Liberty Bowl and certainly the, the history of college football and the great players that have played and the great coaches that have coached in this game, the great games that have been played. Um, I, I just think they're such a huge factor for postseason football when you've earned the right to be in the postseason. Obviously, next year when the playoff expands to 12 teams, everything is going to be different. Instead of us debating who's 3-4-5, and four and five, we'll be debating who's 11-12-13-14, like which two-loss team gets in, Penn State or Ole Miss. Like That's going to be the debate we get into coming up next year, I'm sure of it. Uh, but these games will still matter. I think the growth of any football team, especially when you're still building programs like we do, you know, we're a football program, not a football team, um, and, and try to do a great job of using those practices to continue to enhance the future of your football team. And, 
you know, unfortunately, we, we become a society of instant gratification, especially even in college football. Um, but the reality of it is football is still a developmental sport um, and developmental time is critical for the for football teams. And I think these bowl games give that developmental time a great opportunity to continue to move teams and programs forward. So that would be my answer. I, I think uh, you're, you're right, though. It's certainly a unique and, and, and interesting time in, in this landscape for sure. One of the best things to come out of the 2024 season for Iowa State, along with freshman quarterback Rocco Becht, Running back Abu Sama, the pride of Southeast Polk. I mean, it's been a journey for him to get not just to Iowa State, but to get on the field and to get to this point. For Abu, you know, I, I just go back to a little bit of his recruiting journey. You know, I think it was a little bit quiet. There were so many talented players on uh, his team as, as his going into his junior year. And, you know, I, I think one of the great things that you loved about Abu, Abu's videotape is just what a great competitor he is. You know, we then had him in camp. Um, and probably was one of the best camp performances, but it was a corner that we'd ever seen. And then you, 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 you know, you flash forward about six months and you watch him in that state championship game and you're like, geez, how do you not start this guy at tailback and let this guy, you know, start off there? Yeah, you should have got him on the field earlier. Finished the year with 72 carries, 610 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. Also caught seven other balls for 51 yards. Probably should have seen the field a little more early in the season. To me, the great thing about Abu is he's earned everything that he's ever gotten. Um, you know, he's kind of had to come up the, probably the recruiting rough side of the mountain. Um, who he is, what his family's about, you know, what their, what their mission in life is. I think that's what makes Abu really special. And I, I think he's going to have a chance to tell a really powerful story as his career continues to move forward. But uh, I think he's really easy to root for because of who he is. Um, you know, and we've been really fortunate to watch his journey. I don't know if you're going to find a more roller coaster of a year than you will for what this Cyclone team has gone through. And when you kind of listen to Matt Campbell reflect on the the highs, the lows, all the gambling stuff going into the year, the turbulence that that caused, the start to the year, the one and two, I got to imagine he's pretty proud. You have to be of the effort his team has put together to get to this game and to have the record that they do. I mean, to be seven and five and, and honestly... Top four in the Big 12 after where they were back in September? I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm a guy that, that has great optimism when I, when I believe that the programs align correctly. And, you know, I, I also, I think, can be a realist, too. Um, but I'll be really honest. I, I felt like even in May and June that this team had a chance to be really special. I, I didn't know how that was going to happen, um, quite honestly, and I didn't know why it was going to happen other than just how I watched our kids work, what they stood for. Um, I really thought our kids had a really great fall camp, and I knew it would take time. You know, I, I think some of our local media is here, and you know, as I told them, you know, it's it's a journey, and especially when you're as young as we were, and as many young guys, um, and we played some really veteran teams early on. I mean. You know, you look at some of those teams and the seasons that they had, um, they, they were playing, you know, with, with great veteranness to themselves. And I still think you reflect back, we didn't play bad football in those games. You know, we, we didn't get the result we wanted, but it wasn't, uh, you know, where we weren't playing to football that you didn't think you were growing. And, and that's the thing that's been fun about this team is every week of the football season, we've gotten better. And I don't know if, you know, at least during my time here, that that's ever truly happened. But this group, this has happened. And, uh, 
you know, again, we've got one more great opportunity, hopefully, to grow forward tomorrow. But uh, this group's done a great job of growing. That's probably what's given me so much belief in them. I love this next answer from Matt Campbell because it's almost like you have to really listen to what he's saying and read between the lines. There are certain things coaches love doing. They love coaching. I think they like recruiting. I don't know if they love recruiting, flying around the country, driving to all these football games, going into people's homes. But that's part of the gig in college football. And when I was growing up, you know, that was it. You coached, you recruited. There were periods where you did all these things. And now I can't fathom being a coach who has to coach the games, recruit, handle NIL. I mean, what? I I don't even know how to do that. And monitor the transfer portal. If you listen to Matt Campbell, I don't know if he necessarily likes the situation that we're all in right now with the portal and with NIL. It probably would take me a while to sit down and give you, I think anything you're going to say right now is going to be reactionary. I I think the, the reality of it is we're very chaotic and, you know, there's a lot of chaos in college football right now. And unfortunately, when there's chaos, um, you know, who can get hurt is 18 to 22 year olds that are really responsible to serve. And so I, I think, you know, we, we just got to figure out where all of this is going to land and try to put the best rules and regulations around what, what the new landscape looks like. But um, at the end of the day, it's still college football. It's still dealing with 18 to 22 year olds and it's still trying to create a great team each and every fall. And so um, you know, I think trying to navigate through that is, is certainly a challenge, but, um, you know, I think we like challenges and, and part of the challenges, you got to try to find the best clarity for yourself and you don't, you don't, you shouldn't have to try to be like somebody else. You should just try to be the best version of you and, and see what that looks like. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a, it's a great question. It's a question probably I ask at times too, to, to other people, but, um, I wish I had a better answer right now. I think, uh, you know, as, as, as things, even after this season digest. Yes, I can give you a better answer maybe in the spring. One more from Matt Campbell. In case you are wondering whether he is a big fan of Memphis barbecue, known for being wet, he's not when it comes to the ribs. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dry rib guy. I'm a dry rib guy for sure. So, but, but, but enjoy a little bit of both for, for sure. Me too, Coach Campbell. Me too. Dry rub guy. I don't like my, rub, my ribs to be super messy. I'm a dry rib guy. Iowa State, Memphis, coming up in the Liberty Bowl. We're going to have the game for you. Of course, you can hear Iowa State football right here on ESPN Des Moines. The coverage starts at 1.30. So, like, an hour and change. We'll have the live broadcast. Iowa State, Memphis. From Memphis, road game, by the way. I'm pretty sure Ames is uh, all, the entire city of Ames actually all caravaned, I believe, over to Memphis for this one. Here, the Liberty Bowl coming up 1.30, kickoff at 2 right here on ESPN Des Moines. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Welcome back in. It is Wicket's World here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Liberty Bowl coming your way, 1.30 for the coverage, 2 o'clock kick right here on ESPN Des Moines. We will have Iowa State and Memphis coming up next hour. And then after that, the Cotton Bowl. It's going to be Mizzou and Ohio State. We got bowl games. We've had a ton of bowl games. We had a triple header yesterday. And of course, on New Year's Day, 
after Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, which you can hear right here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. We'll have the Rose Bowl and is it the Sugar Bowl? Is that the other one? Yeah, we'll have the college football playoff. Michigan, Alabama, followed by Texas and Washington. But as I mentioned, we're going to have the Iowa game. Iowa and Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl down in Orlando. Iowa fans very familiar with going to Orlando for their bowl games. Now, a lot of storylines playing into this Iowa-Tennessee game. None bigger than the fact that this is actually, finally, an Iowa fan, I know you're very excited about this, the end of the Brian Ferentz era. Brian Ferentz done as the offensive coordinator after one more game. Now, things I read and people I talked to, there was a chance that Brian might not even be here for this game if... His dad, Kirk, with all of his connections to the National Football League, could find Brian a job and get the head start on finding the replacement OC. And that didn't happen. I don't know why that is. Perhaps nobody wants to hire Brian Ferentz. Perhaps it wasn't the right opportunity for Brian Ferentz. There was a rumor that the Giants said no to Brian Ferentz a year ago when Kirk was trying to maybe move his son off of his staff. That's a rumor. Hot rumor. You can take that rumor with you however you want. But this will be the end of the Brian Ferentz offensive coordinator era. And I think every Iowa fan, other than you don't want to see guys get fired, but I think from a football standpoint, you have to make this change. You had to make this change because the offense was horrendous. Not just horrendous, but historically horrendous to the point where they... Last year, you remember the pay cut thing. He had to, he took a pay cut. He would get it back if they could average 25 points a game. That's it. 25 points per game and finish with seven wins. Well, they got seven Big Ten wins and 10 wins overall. They're going for their fourth 11-win season in program history. But this team's offense was so broken. And it didn't look good before Cade McNamara and Luke Lachey and Eric All. All of those guys got hurt. And since then... Now, granted, Deacon Hill coming off his best game of maybe of his career... Uh, the last game of the regular season, but still, this Iowa offense stuck in whatever gear, second gear, third gear, while the rest of college football is playing in fifth gear and beyond. So you have to make the change. I don't know who the next OC is going to be. I love the rumors of Scott Frost. That would make so many headlines. But one more game, Citrus Bowl, New Year's Day. And one of the guys that people are very excited about, you're hearing a lot of buzz, is someone who really turned it on from the wide receiver standpoint. And that's Caleb Brown in the last month of the year. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, wait, we this Ohio State transfer, this guy might really, really be good. I mean, I think it's safe to say that getting 19 catches in the final four games of the regular season, a couple more in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan, that this guy's confidence is growing. Yeah, a lot more confident um, just to see where I kind of fit in in this offense and what I could do. And um, even giving my coach, coaches the confidence um, in me as well. So I would just say a lot more confident um, just on the field, knowing that any play could be mine and um, just being ready for it, you know what I'm saying, preparing for it. Iowa out of the Big Ten, Tennessee out of the SEC. I mean, look, we know there's a difference in speed, right? There has been. The SEC has been the dominant conference in college football for decades with Alabama and Georgia. And now here's this Tennessee team. High expectations after winning 11 games a year ago. They go 8-4 and four this year. Maybe some of that was the quarterback. We're going to talk about uh, the change at quarterback that's coming or that occurred this week, I guess. 
But this is a team that recruits nationally. They recruit the hot spots. This is a team that gets some serious talent out of the South and in uh, you know California. Tennessee has got some speed. So what does Caleb Brown think about the whole Big Ten versus SEC speed thing? I'm super excited. I never expected to really go over there and like, uh, play them. Just a different conference, but... Here we are. I mean, definitely a good opportunity to be able to go showcase my talent and, you know what I mean, definitely get the win, hopefully. I have no idea if you're an Iowa fan. Like, how do you get excited about offense overall when it comes to this team? Shut out the last time we saw uh, Iowa on the field. Lost 26 nothing to Michigan. Big day. 13 points on the road at Nebraska. 15 they put up against Illinois. 22 they put up on Rutgers. Before that, 10 against Northwestern. I mean, that's... (laughs) I'm not making that up. (laughs) That's the last couple of games we saw from Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, and the Iowa team. But Caleb Brown, this wide receiver, this talented wide receiver, he thinks, and he'll tell you right here, that Iowa has got a game plan that can lead to a victory. I feel like with the game plan we got, I mean, if, if we follow through what we've been practicing, I think we could, I think that's, that's golden right there. If we just showcase what we've been doing in practice and, you know what I mean, make the make the makeables, I think we'll be all good at the end of the day. Now, on the other side of the ball, Tennessee comes in, as I mentioned, they're 8-4. and four. Uh, They had really high expectations coming into this season. Joe Milton taking over, took over for Hendon Hooker. Hooker now with the Detroit Lions. Third-round pick of Detroit, I want to say. And Milton, who started his career at Michigan, transferred a couple of years ago to Tennessee, surprised everybody earlier this week when he decided to opt out of the game. Which, I mean, listen, a year ago, Iowa saw Kentucky in the Music City Bowl. And Will Levis opted out of that game. Actually, like, everyone opted out of that game. But let's just talk about the quarterback for a second. Will Levis opted out of that game. And going into the NFL draft, there were four guys. It was Bryce Young. It was Anthony Richardson. Uh, it was Will Levis. It was C.J. Stroud. Like, those are the four guys, right? Like, you didn't know where you were going to plot. Now we know Stroud's the man. Not sure on Bryce Young. Not sure on Anthony Richardson. Can he stay healthy? Jury's still out on Levis. But Levis sat out of that game because he was going to prepare for the NFL draft. It makes sense. Because Levis is a guy that was being talked about as a top pick, like a first-round talent, maybe top 10, maybe top 15, depending on what quarterback-dependent team wanted to draft him. Heck, Mel Kuyper thought he should have gone number one as the guy over all the others. I don't know if I agreed with that, but Levis looks like an NFL quarterback, right? So Levis sits out, makes total sense. You wouldn't want to, if you're a first-round talent, play in a bowl game, and there was the Music City Bowl. It wasn't a great Kentucky team last year, but you don't want to play in a meaningless bowl game and potentially take yourself out of the first round to the third round. You're talking about millions and millions of dollars. So back to Joe Milton. Joe Milton, who's, I think, 25 years old. He's got to get the clock rolling here. I I, I understand that. Uh, He's going to the National Football League. Signed his uh, letter to Tennessee Volunteer fans. JoJo out, by the way. He is... Predicted. Now, these are mock drafts, and things you know don't always fall the way mock drafts go. Mel Kuyper has him rated as the 10th quarterback. 10th quarterback on his board. Every mock draft or scouting report that I have found in leading up to today's show has got Joe Milton as a fifth rounder at best. Maybe a fourth. Think about that. Like, you are—and I, and I understand— 
the injury risk. Because if you're a fifth-round guy and you get hurt, you're now an undrafted guy, right? Like, that that kind of makes sense. So you're a seventh-round guy. But who doesn't take the opportunity as a likely third-day guy? And Milton's got to have people that he talks to. Agents, you know, the NFL guys, hear it through the grapevine, that he's not a day-one or a day-two guy. In my mind, bowl games, when, when guys play in games and they're fourth, fifth-round guys, they've got a real good opportunity to improve and make a statement and say, hey, look, I played well in my bowl game. Maybe their stock improves. It seems weird to me that a fifth-round guy, a day-three guy, a guy that is no way going to be picked on that Thursday of the draft or early on Friday or even late on Friday in the NFL draft when it happens in Detroit next year, that guy opts out? It does seem strange to me. I'm going to imagine that Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel was a little bit surprised by it. Here's Heupel. Joe's been with us uh, throughout uh, bowl preparation just as he was going through his process uh, of how uh, he was going to handle things at the end. Um, guys are excited uh, to get an opportunity to play with Nico. Uh, they appreciate Joe, obviously, for, for everything that he's done. He's been a, a great teammate uh, to everybody inside of that locker room. He's been a great teammate to, to Nico as well. Uh, he's been a part of the preparation. Uh, he'll be with us all week long and, and continue to help us in that way. I don't think Josh Heupel's very happy that Milton's skip, skipping this game. I mean, Heupel wants to get to nine wins. You got 11 wins last year, hopefully nine this year. Right now they're sitting at 8-4, and four, and he's going to start a true freshman. Nico Iamalea is the guy's name. Now, who is Nico Iamalea? Probably a better prospect than Joe Milton is, to be honest with you. Uh, coming out of the class of 2023, he was, whether you're looking at some, you know one recruiting site or another, we are talking about the kid that was the 1, 2, or 3 ranked quarterback in the country. Guy who can get around, move with his legs. Played in four games this year. Didn't do a whole lot, but that's what you expect when Milton's your guy. And uh, this is your freshman seeing his first action, whether it was at Neyland Stadium or not. So that's who you're going to see. If you're an Iowa fan, you're going to watch Phil Parker's defense attack a freshman named Nico Iamalea. Uh, and this is a kid that can, like I said, dual threat you. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs. Uh, I think this kid's going to be wind up being a star at Tennessee. This is going to be his first start. At, at the end of the day, uh, we got to play well enough. He's got to play well enough to, to help us go win this football game. Uh, that's ultimately uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, I said it to the guys earlier. Uh, it's important. Anytime you have a young player, and I don't care what position he's playing, that the other 10 guys around him play at a really high level and do the ordinary things really consistently to allow that guy to function and operate at the level that he's capable of. Um, listen, this game's never perfect. Um, we don't expect Nico to go out and play perfect. Expect him to reset and, and give uh, our, our playmakers an opportunity to go make plays. This game opened at 7.5, by the way. Uh, Tennessee favored by 7.5. The number's down to 6. And if you're looking to bet the over-under, it is 35 or 35.5, which for most Iowa games, that's pretty high. <laughs> We will have the Citrus Bowl for you coming up on Monday. Uh, noon kick. Our coverage starts at 11.30. And that'll be followed by both college football playoff games. Alabama and Michigan in the Rose Bowl. And then Texas and Washington Sugar Bowl, I want to say. <laughs> I could be wrong. But we'll have both of those games right here. So it's like a New Year's Day smorgasbord of uh, football for you coming up here on ESPN Des Moines. 
Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday! This is Wicket's World. Happy New Year to you. Got the Liberty Bowl coming up in an hour or so. Make sure you're tuning in, Iowa State fans. We'll have the game for you, Iowa State and Memphis. Iowa fan will have the Citrus Bowl coming up on Monday. Oh, by the way, after the Liberty Bowl today, by the way, I should have mentioned this, Cotton Bowl will have uh, Mizzou and Ohio State. Monday, after the Citrus Bowl, we'll have Michigan and Alabama, and then Texas-Washington, both college football playoff games. Next Monday, we'll have the college football championship game for you right here on ESPN Des Moines. I should mention, too, I forgot, uh, Sunday... We're going to have Dolphins-Ravens. Biggest game, I think, in the AFC, maybe of the year, Considering what's at stake with two weeks left, two games to be played, we'll have that one for you. 11 o'clock for our pregame coverage kickoff at noon for Dolphins-Ravens right here on ESPN Des Moines. Speaking of the NFL, biggest story in the entire league this week, Russell Wilson got benched. Now, the last time we saw Russ play, he was getting screamed at by Sean Payton, right? I don't know why. There was either a timeout, play didn't get called in quick enough, the right play didn't get called in. But he was screaming at him. And you just looked at it. You kind of got this feeling that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson never got on the same page from the start. And Sean Payton does things very differently. Like he trashed Nathaniel Hackett. Remember that? Called it a dumpster fire, the coaching job that Hackett did in Denver. And he wasn't wrong, but it's just kind of weird that you would do that. And you, you kind of got the assumption or the, the, the feeling that when Peyton got the job as the head coach of the Broncos, that he still wanted to do things his way. Now, usually it's like when a new boss comes in and they inherit whatever, or a new GM comes in and they inherit a quarterback. Well, Sean Peyton came in and inherited Russell Wilson. Not MVP caliber Russell Wilson like we saw a couple of years ago, but this version of Russell Wilson. And right now, Russ is the seventh highest rated quarterback in the National Football League. The Broncos are a game out of a wild card spot. Like, this... Feels like a team that is close. Like, I really thought before they lost two straight, I really thought Denver was a team that people were sleeping on. I really did. And now they dropped two in a row. We saw Peyton scream at Russ. And now Jared Stidham will start this weekend for the Denver Broncos. None of this makes any sense. So why did this happen? ESPN's Adam Schefter. They will tell you, they will tell you um, that they're looking for a spark in their offense that they're one in three in their last four games. It hasn't worked out the way they want. They're coming off one of the more disappointing losses that they've had in recent memory at home against New England. But I also think from a practical standpoint, if you just look at it logically, Russell, Russell Wilson has a $37 million guarantee in his contract that he would get if he can't pass his physical by early March. Might as well head to Denver and get that perspective from uh, ESPN's Denver Broncos reporter. Here's Jeff Legwood. Well, since the loss to New England uh, Sunday and Sean Payton's obvious critique of the offense earlier this week, there was some feeling something could be done. But uh, Sean Payton told the players in their usual morning meeting uh, before they break up into position groups and then on to practice here in about 20 minutes or so. But he told the players in a morning meeting and there wasn't really time for them to 
digest all this. They they immediately went on to their other things. But this was something uh, people here in Denver wondered if Peyton would do over the final two weeks of the season, especially since their playoff chances are wafer thin. Yeah, but they're not dead. <laughs> all right. A very winnable game coming up this weekend for the Broncos. They're taking on the Chargers in Denver. And no Justin Herbert in that one. You're, you're taking on Easton Stick. I, I got to hear from Sean Payton about why. Why Russell Wilson is benched. I understand all the, the speculation and everything that surrounds a move like that. And I can tell you we're desperately trying to win. And sure, in our, in our game today, there are economics and all those other things. But the number one push behind this, and, and it's a decision I'm making, is to, you know, get a spark offensively. Have you ever heard someone lie to you and you know they're lying? There is no football mind out there that thinks Jared Stidham can give you the spark, can get you to winning that Russell Wilson can't. No one. Here's the truth. This is a financial decision. As of right now, Russ is guaranteed to make like $40 million next year, all right? That's part of his contract. There is a clause. And I these are becoming a thing because it was something that people worried about with Kyler Murray, too. But there is a clause in his contract that if he gets hurt and can't pass a physical coming up in March, the Broncos would owe him $37 million more. He's already making 39. An additional 37 would come his way. So the Broncos looked at their team, looked at their record, looked at what they've got in front of them, and they made a business decision. Sean Payton is lying to you, all right? They need to bubble wrap Russell Wilson because they are going to be moving on from Russell Wilson after this season in two more games. Denver will be done with the year. Now they're not going to win one of these last two games, I don't think. Who knows? I have no idea. Chargers stink, so they could probably beat beat the uh, the L.A. Chargers. But they will be moving on from Russell Wilson and don't want to have to pay him $80 million next year. ESPN's Lewis Riddick. I think it's going to be a very interesting situation, you know, once Denver goes goes ahead and decides how they're going to go ahead and, and move on from him with this obviously probably more than likely going to be a post-June 1 cut. And then Russell Wilson will be free to go ahead and see what his future looks like out there on the market. Look, if I think for a 35-year-old quarterback who's played 12 years in the league, who threw 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, was top 10 in terms of completion percentage above expectation, fourth quarter QBR, there'll be some kind of market for Russell just, you know, when you're looking at it strictly from a football perspective and what potentially he can bring to your football team on the field. I don't know where he's going to be, but he's going to make a lot of money. All right, so... It's kind of confusing. When they release him, there will be $89 million in cap charges. That comes from money already paid, his compensation of $39 million for next year. The Broncos can either take the whole hit in 2024 and take an $89 million cap hit, or they can spread it out. 35 and 24, 53 million in 2025. And if he goes somewhere else to get some credit, it's it, I'm not a capologist. I'm not going to try to explain it to you because I don't understand. But if they cut him, I think it saves 37 million dollars against the cap, which is just I mean, this is getting ridiculous, right? So don't tell me that this is about winning. 
I don't care what Sean Payton says. He's throwing Russell Wilson under the bus, yes, for the team's lack of success. But it's also about cash. I get that. And, and yet, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I can just assure you one thing. I'm just interested in winning. All right, so what does this mean for Russ on the field next year? Can he still play at a high level? I mean, 27 touchdown passes so far this year. I think he's got, what, like eight interceptions, nine interceptions, playing in a first-year system under Sean Payton. We're not talking about a young guy here anymore, you know? He was born in 1988. That makes him 35. So we're talking about a guy who needs to go to a place that can win relatively quickly, that's a quarterback away. ESPN insider Andrew Hawkins was on this radio station earlier this week and believes that there's a place for Russ next year, especially to go out and win. My gut says absolutely. I mean, it is really hard to find quarterbacks. And you can say what you want about Russell Wilson. He is better than the majority of NFL quarterbacks. And I would, I would stand on that. And this year... Well, we see backups, and we make superstars out of people like Tommy DeVito for a couple of weeks, <laughs> only to watch this defense for the same old people. Absolutely. I'm looking around the league, and I can think of five to ten teams that become instantly better with Russell Wilson. I've got one for you. Maybe you're a fan, the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know what their plan is going to be with Kirk Cousins, but that is a team now, right now, the Vikings don't look like a contender. They've got the injury to Hawk. They've got the injury to Jordan Addison. We don't know if he's going to play coming up this weekend on Sunday Night Football against Green Bay. Of course, Kirk Cousins, at his age, at his price, does he come back? Is Russell Wilson an upgrade over Kirk Cousins? How would Russ work in Kevin O'Connell's offense? A little bit different than the stuff he ran in Seattle. Very different from what he's running right now in uh, in Denver. But Russell Wilson would make sense in Minnesota, because with Jefferson and Addison, and I really like this kid, Ty Chandler, that they got, and with TJ Hawkinson, that offense is ready. I mean, we saw with Kirk Cousins, that offense is really, really good and capable of putting up a lot of points. And then Brian Flores' defense has gotten so much better since the calendar turned to October, which is what it usually takes. So that would make sense. Atlanta might make sense as well. With Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and you've got B. John Robinson over there. Like, there's that's an option too. Although I do believe that if the Bears do move on from Justin Fields, the kid from Georgia is going to want to go back home and play for a team he was a fan of growing up. So Fields to Atlanta would make a ton of sense. But what about what about Russell Wilson in Minnesota? It seems like a good fit to me. And Lord knows, I don't want the Vikings to have any kind of success. <laughs> All right? I definitely don't want to see that. No, thank you. But it would make sense. All right, coming up, we'll get to the big five of the National Football League. The Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Packers, those Vikings, and the Chicago Bears. Big games for everybody this weekend. We'll hit them next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy New Year to you. Happy Friday. Whatever you do this weekend. Please do not drink and drive on New Year's Eve. Get an Uber, get a Lyft, sleep it off, walk home, whatever you can. 
Make sure you are safe. Shouldn't be bad weather, by the way, if you're a bar hopper. I remember those days. I remember going to the bar. Now I have three kids, and if I see the ball drop, it's amazing. Uh, but I used to go to the bar, New Year's Eve, stay up late, can't do it anymore. <laughs> weather should be fine. It's going to be like 25 when the ball drops. You can actually hang out outside. We've had worse. <laughs> we have had worse. All right, so NFL... Week 17, we got Saturday games, we got Sunday games. No Monday game because of the college football playoff. Uh, They get center stage. And we'll have both of those games. Iowa's game early, right here on ESPN Des Moines. Both college football games and the playoff games, right here on ESPN Des Moines. Don't forget the Liberty Bowl is minutes away, right here on ESPN Des Moines, Iowa State and uh, Memphis. So make sure you're tuning in for that one right here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. And then tonight... Ohio State, Mizzou in the Cotton Bowl. Number nine versus number seven. We'll have that one, too. So the big five of the National Football League. Cowboys, Bears, Chiefs, Packers, Vikings. They're the teams that people care about here in Des Moines. Huge games. All still alive. Even the Bears are still alive to make it to the playoffs. They need to win and get some help, of course, but they're still alive. And that's why with the uh, the weighted schedule, a lot of division games, interdivision games being played in weeks, you know, 15, 16, 17, and 18. That's why this is just still so intense and so awesome, especially with that extra playoff spot. I love it. Personally, I love it. Some people think it waters it down, but I love it. Let's start with tomorrow night's game. Huge, huge game. The Detroit Lions on the road, five and a half point dog at Dallas. Dallas is 7 and 0 at home. They are plus 171 on the scoreboard at home. They are 3-5 and five and minus 6 on the road, which makes no sense. And here comes Detroit, fresh off a big road win at Minnesota. Dak Prescott plays like an MVP at home. Plays like a mediocre quarterback on the road, but an MVP at home. I like Dallas in this game, but I, I, I think it's for this reason. I think Dallas is going to throw the ball ad nauseum. And throw a lot on Detroit. Nick Mullins just threw for 400 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Nick bleeping Mullins just did this against this Detroit secondary when the Lions played at Minnesota last week. So I would expect Dak, who is a much better quarterback than Nick Mullins, to have a big day. Detroit, by the way, in case you're wondering, they can still get the one seed in the NFC. If they win out, and I think if... The Niners lose out. I think that's the way it would work. They can still get the number one seed and the bye. I mean, Detroit won last week, and for the first time since I was 12 years old, 1993, the Lions are going to host a playoff game. So, what? Yeah, Lions went out. They need the Niners to lose one game. One game. If the Lions get to 13 wins and the Niners can drop a game, guess what? Detroit. Well, and they need Philly to lose a game, too, by the way. Uh, Detroit would be the number one seed, and, and they would have the bye. Now, I can't see that happening this weekend. I think Dallas comes back home. Huge game. They just had that heartbreaking loss last Christmas weekend. They fell to uh, Miami by a couple of points. I think Dallas has a big game against Detroit. Uh, moving on, Falcons-Bears. Give me Chicago in this one. you got a dome team coming up to play at cold Chicago. Temperature is going to be around 35 degrees at Soldier Field in this game. I believe this is Justin Fields' current team against Justin Fields' future team. I don't think they're going to stick with Fields. When you have the opportunity to draft a prospect like Drake May or Caleb Williams, I think they're going to take that opportunity. 
Fields has been playing pretty well. Just lit up Arizona last week, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Falcons come in at 7-8. and eight. Bears are 6-9. and nine. Chicago's a three-point favorite in this game. Falcons still in contention to win the NFC South. I think this is one of the last two games that Arthur Smith is going to coach. I think he's in some serious trouble. I think this is one of the last games for Matt Eberflus in Chicago. So I think both of these coaches coaching for their jobs, but I like Chicago at home. I think weather's going to play really, really into this. By the way, the Bears' defense has gotten to be very, very legit. Like, they play the Packers next week. I'm scared of that Bears' defense all of a sudden. I'm not terribly worried about the Bears' offense, which means that they're going to put up 40. But that Bears' defense has become really, really good, especially once they acquired Montez Sweat. Hmm. Who would have thought acquiring a player at the trade deadline can make your team legitimately good on one side of the ball? And they are legitimately good on one side of the ball. One of the best rush defenses in the National Football League, which is interesting because that's what the Falcons want to do. And I don't know if it's Desmond Ritter or it's Taylor Heineke, who cares, both of them suck. But they need to, and Arthur Smith, for whatever reason, doesn't. But they should run the ball with Bijan Robinson 25 times a game. And they just don't. They split it up. They let Ritter throw. They let Heineke throw. Makes no sense. Don't understand that uh, at all. Moving on, the Chiefs. Hosting the Bengals. Arrowhead. The last time we saw Kansas City play at Arrowhead, it was nasty. There is a lot of blame going around in Kansas City right now. Whether it's the offensive line, whether it's Travis Kelsey and his girlfriend, Taylor Swift, which is stupid if that's what you think is the real reason for it. Uh, Young receivers running the wrong routes. Other than Rashi Rice, they don't have anybody uh, that you can look at and think that Patrick Mahomes can reliably throw the football to from a wide receiver spot. And not only are they playing poorly... The Bengals are coming off an 11-point effort against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh! They go into this one. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. One more time, I'm going to say, I'm going to put my faith in Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to put my faith in Andy Reid. I'm going to put my faith in Taylor Swift's boyfriend and say they can get the job done. I don't think they're going to put up 35, but I think that with that defense playing against Jake Browning, I think, and I don't know if Jamar Chase is totally healthy, if he's going to play in this one or not, but I think Kansas City is going to get the win here to get to 10 wins. And we're finally going to see what it looks like when Kansas City goes on the road to play a playoff game because it is confirmed they will play on the road in the postseason for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career. That's crazy to think about considering he's won a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, Packers and Vikings Sunday night. Man, I don't know what to make of this game. Because you have a lot of controversy on the defensive side of the football for Green Bay this week. People are screaming for Joe Barry to get fired, their defensive coordinator. That will happen after the final game of the year. I don't think out of respect and what it would look like to a potential new hire, I don't think LaFleur wants to get rid of Barry in the regular season. As we've seen, Tommy DeVito lit him up. Bryce Young lit him up. Baker Mayfield threw four touchdowns at Lambeau Field. As for Minnesota... You got no Hawk. Kirk Cousins been out most of the year. Jordan Addison's got an ankle. I don't know what to make of Nick Mullins if he's going to be the guy. I mean, I don't even know as I'm you know talking to you right now if it's Nick Mullins or it's Jaron Hall. Either way, I you would think in a normal person's world that Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall or even Josh Dobbs would be a boon for a team like Green Bay. But because that defense is so bad, so soft, and they play so off the ball, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these Vikings quarterbacks light up Green Bay when they've got the football. On the other side, I mean, I could gush about Jordan Love if you really want me to. 
He has exceeded every expectation. He has pushed through all the numbers that Vegas put out there for him. 27 touchdowns, 11 picks, over 3,500 passing yards. Got a shot to get to 4,030. How about that? Not bad, right, for a guy making his first, uh, you know, first season start earlier this year when they hosted Chicago. There were some ups and some downs for Jordan Love. But ever since November 1st, there have only been two quarterbacks you can put on the same level. And one of them had three four picks last week, and that was Brock Purdy. The other is Dak Prescott. I mean, those are probably your three best quarterbacks in the second half of the season. And Jordan Love has been fantastic. There are three quarterbacks who have seven games this year of two touchdowns or more and no picks. It's Purdy, Dak, and Love. It's not Mahomes. It's not Burrow. It's not Josh Allen. Why would it be Josh Allen? He throws a pick almost every game. But it's it's those three guys. I'll take Green Bay on the road, Sunday night football, to get the job done. All right, we got to get out of here. Liberty Bowl coming up in just a few minutes. It'll be Iowa State and Memphis. Keep it right here. Then tonight, got the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State, and Mizzou, and then football all weekend. Just leave it right here. You want live sports? We got them for you. Right here on ESPN Dubois. My thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for listening. Happy New Year. Be safe. We'll talk to you in 2024.